Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. One of the places people come back and rave about is Vietnam. It seems everyone goes for a second trip soon after they come back from their first When I ask them what makes Vietnam so great, they talk about the incredible food, the compelling history, the scenery, and the wonderful people. And so in the podcast today, we're going to learn all about Vietnam and what makes it such an incredible place to explore. And to do this, we have Irina Hatcher from Realistic Asia, a full-service tour operator based in Vietnam that specializes in providing authentic and comfortable tours in Southeast Asia. Hi, Irina. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. How are you? I'm great and I'm excited. In fact, we just had Vietnamese food a few a few nights ago. I love Vietnamese food, but I think what people really love is like they just love the experience of going to Vietnam and and all these different things that delight their senses. When when you talk to guests, what do they tell you amazes them about their trip in Vietnam? Oh, actually it's a combination of different things. First of all, it's beautiful scenery. Vietnam is has really beautiful nature. It has mountains with rice terraces. It has uh, seaside and really nice villages which where everything is green, friendly people, and as you said, amazing food. Yes. So everyone could find in Vietnam something they would really fall in love to. It could be some historical culture thing or just relaxing or trekking. Yeah, that's that's one thing I know. I watch yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about travel, and that's one thing that I notice is there's so much diversity in in the country, in terms of what you see. I was wondering if you could maybe share, you know, for someone who's thinking of their first trip to Vietnam, what are some of the must see places that people should should plan on seeing? I think the first thing which is must see is Halong Bay. It's a plane nearby the Tonkin Gulf the Gulf of Tonkin, and it has incredibly beautiful nature. So you take a boat there and you would cruise around hundreds of small islands or isles, which are cast uh, with cast grottos with some greens, and it's really beautiful. It's something what you hardly see in any other place. Another thing is, um, I would say, Sapa. It's a mountain region where you could do trekking. You could see the rice terraces. And uh, it's also the home for ethnic minorities who maintain the same lifestyle for hundreds of years. They still wear their traditional clothes and you could see the difference of the tribes by the way they are dressed up, see their authentic culture and uh, enjoy their beautiful mountain sceneries. Another thing is Hoi An. It's really beautiful, romantic town with ancient buildings. It used to be an important port before, so it has a mixture of cultures from all around the world. It has really delicious food and really nice villages where you could cycle around and do some gardening, some farming if you want to join or to ride a boat. I think these places are the real highlights. Also, the what makes Vietnam 
special from the rest of the world. Maybe you have heard that Vietnam has the biggest cave system in the world. And those who are inter-caving, of course, they must visit Wanyakiban National Park and explore some caves there. It would be a true adventure. You would trek through the jungles, swim in the caves, climb the caves using some special equipment. So those who tried it, they say that it's something like trip of a lifetime. That sounds uh, fantastic. I've always been kind of worried about going in caves myself, but I know people like here in Western Canada, they love going exploring in caves and uh, they say it's just, it's something you have to do. Uh, I want to, I want to come back to Halong Bay because that's something where I think we've all, or most of us have seen photos of this beautiful bay. You mentioned you can go on, go on a boat tour. So do people, you know, do this tour for, you know, just, is it a day tour? Do they spend several days along a boat? And then also what type of boat is it? It could be arranged differently. Honestly, if you a certain time, the day tour would be nice. I did it once, but uh, the way to get there is quite long. It's about four hours drive, one way. Uh, what we recommend is to take two days, one night, and you will stay on a cruise. Uh, it's a boat, cruise boat. Normally, there are small, there are bigger, so from... 20 to 30 people on a boat. You have a cabin which look like a hotel room and they have different styles and uh, different categories. It could be some uh, wooden boat with, but I mean that it's a big boat with um, the cabin. It could be a luxury boat. So it's normally like hotels, like three, four and five star. It would be a really relaxing pace. So you would get there get on a boat, have lunch, and uh, see the beautiful sceneries. Then the boat would take you to some beautiful place where you could try kayaking. And normally they take you to the place where you could kayak through the grotto. So it's really interesting experience. Then stop somewhere on the island where you could enjoy swimming. And uh, then get to the boat and they have some activities there to have fun, to socialize with other people. And on the next day, you normally visit the cave. And after that, go back. So two days, one night is a perfect variant. If you want to stay longer, there are some bigger islands like Katba, but it's an area which is called Planhabe. And you could stay there for a few nights and enjoy cycling around, visiting the national park if you're into nature, or just relax at the beach. It's freezing cold here uh, in Canada while we're having this chat. So the idea of just, you know, going swimming in Halong Bay or relaxing on a beach, uh, that sounds really, uh, really good. Uh, you also talked about Saba and trekking and, you know, the indigenous indigenous culture. You know, can you talk a little bit more about how you get to that part of, of Vietnam? And then, you know, how many days would you want to spend uh, in Saba? To get there, it's actually... As well as to Halong Bay, you get from Hanoi. And to get to Sapa, you could take a private car about six hours drive. Uh, you could take a bus. Uh, what we recommend, uh, there are some mini buses with 15 people. It take also about six hours. Or you could take a night train. So you would sleep in a four-seat cabin with air conditioner. Normally, uh, the operators uh, or hotels have their own carriage 
and it again could be on different uh, level of comfort and uh, you bought in the evening and get there early in the morning. Normally people spend a couple days if they're traveling from place to place. Uh, you could visit a few villages uh, which uh, are not so far from the supper town. Uh, I would recommend to spend three or four days there. This way you could uh, visit more remote villages, uh, more of the beaten path, because now I uh, hear feedback that there are many people in Sapa and uh, you start losing its charm that it's getting more tourists. So if you spend more, you could visit some places which less crowded and more authentic. And uh, what to do there? Uh, you could, as I said, visit villages. There are a few paths which you could walk. Uh, we normally start with something easy. It's a pavement, paved path, and you could walk and see the beautiful sceneries, stop in the villages, uh, see the waterfalls or bamboo forest, uh, see the people or doing farming, uh, the guide could arrange you talking to the farmers. And uh, also you could experience the walking through the rice terraces. Actually, this one is more difficult. I when I tried it, I thought it would be easy, but they are actually taller than I thought. <laughs> and uh, when I did it, it was uh, during summer, so it was after the rain, it was a bit slippery. <laughs> So normally guides are helping you, but uh, I was traveling with my colleagues, so we didn't have guides who were local. And uh, uh, it was a bit funny because it was after the rain and we didn't plan to do this. And uh, we didn't wear the proper shoes. And uh, uh, one of us was wearing chandles and she lost one, so in the mud. <laughs> so we spent a while to find it. It was really fun. But it's really beautiful. Sabah's in the northern part of Vietnam. So is that all like quite rugged mountainous terrain? It depends on the season. So during summer, you could expect rains. And actually sometimes if you go to remote areas, you need to pay attention to the weather because I faced it once that uh, it was heavy rain and uh, there was some mud on the road and we couldn't go anywhere. We actually were prepared to ask some locals to stay overnight with them because we couldn't go further, we couldn't go back. But luckily, it, it was sorted. And uh, here you need to be careful with weather. But if you do tracks from Sapa Town, it would be safe because it's already arranged for comfortable stay for people and then how hard is the trekking around there is it you know a lot of ascent and descent or are there routes that are suitable for beginners depends on the area if you take two days in Sapa and visit the most popular villages it would be easy so even the beginner and even the children would easily cope with this if you go to more remote areas for example to Tazafin village which we have in uh, the packages on your website, yeah, that one would be more challenging. It would be more dirt trails and more terraces. So we could uh, select something different for everyone. It could be on different levels. 
about the time to visit, you were talking about rain. Uh, if you visit now, they just start growing the rice and the rice terraces, so they're full of water until end of May. You could catch the beautiful sceneries where there would be look like a mirror. And you could take amazing pictures and you could see how they actually put the rice in the field. Right now, they also have a peach blossoming period. And I think that end of February, March is the beautiful, most beautiful time to visit Sapa. If you go in autumn till October, uh, the rice fields would go yellow color and you would see beautiful sceneries as well. Maybe what you saw in the pictures is normally related to the autumn time. But in November till end of January, it's a bit different because the rice has been harvested, so the fields are empty and it's getting cold. Sometimes it snows in Sapa. Yes, we have snow in Vietnam. <laughs> Uh, during this period of time, probably it's better to arrange more uh, cultural experience and visiting villages, see the local crafts, uh, how people make it, and communicate with locals more. So I think for winter time, it's more cultural trip than spending time in the nature. We've talked a, a lot about you know kind of beautiful nature to explore. What's it like exploring the cities in Vietnam? It's very interesting. Vietnam has their unique culture, traditions, architecture style. They had influence from China for a long time. And they used to be a colony of France and uh, many buildings there are in French colonial style. They also had a good relationship with the uh, Soviet Union and you could see this a bit communist style. And this mixture, it makes it unique and uh, really charming. So to walk around the city would be nice. It has, uh, uh, for example, Hanoi has many beautiful lakes, which would be really nice to see. The only thing is uh, it would be really hard to cross the road. The traffic is chaotic. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it takes me about five minutes to stand on the one way side of the road and waiting when I could go. <laughs> but we normally set, uh, arrange hotels in old quarter area where many parts are only for pedestrians. So it would be easier. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely nice when you can, uh, yeah, when you can explore on your own. We, we talked a bit about the cities and we mentioned food at the start. And so... People that have had Vietnamese food, you know, they're always kind of like, holy crow, this is incredible. But Vietnamese food in some parts of the world is not as not that common. Can you describe maybe some of the most popular dishes that, you know, people can try when they go to Vietnam? My favorite is un cha. It's kind of like soup. They make a sauce, which looks like a soup. Uh, they put some carrot, uh, ginger in it, some fish sauce. And it served separately, and then you get rice noodles and barbecued pork and some uh, greens. And then you mix it all together, put it in the sauce and eat. It's really delicious. Maybe you have heard that uh, when in the USA there was uh, President Mr. Obama and he visited Vietnam and 
it was popular photos where he was sitting in a small chair in one cafe. This is what he was eating. I think I saw that. Was that with Anthony Bourdain? Yes, yes. Anthony Bourdain also visited that uh, the same place. And they were eating uh, bunchan. So it was this dish. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's in Hanoi. It's not so far from Old Quarter. It would be about 15 minutes walk from Old Quarter. Or you could take uh, maybe a motorbike, taxi for, to go there. But it's really nice. I would recommend to go. I forgot the name, but uh, many locals call it Abama Buncha. <laughs> so everyone would understand where to go. Uh, another dish is Fobo or Foga. It's a soup for. I think this is very popular all around the world. Vietnamese eat it for breakfast. Foga is with chicken and Fobo with the beef. And uh, it has chicken or beef. Uh, and uh, rice noodles with some greens. So it's a good way to start day, to have it for breakfast somewhere on the street. Or many hotels serve it for breakfast as well. If you visit Hoi An, uh, you could must try banh mi. It's a bread, it's a small French baguette. And they put some sauces, some pork, or if you're vegetarian, they could put some veg vegetarian options like with tofu, uh, some greens as well. And it's really delicious sandwich. And Haiyan, I found two places which are the most famous and uh, really nice is Madame Khan and Ban Mi Phong. It's always crowded of people, people lining up just to try this. And yes, it was it. You know what's crazy is I hadn't had a banh mi for 10 years. And then a couple of weeks ago, I went to a Vietnamese restaurant with a friend and I'm like, I'm going to get banh mi. And it was like, I just, I remember seeing them, I'm like, why have I not had this in 10 years? It's so delicious. Uh, but here in Canada, not every Vietnamese restaurant does it. Uh, but when you can find it. It's just this delicious, like, you know, Vietnamese kind of sub that just bursts with flavor. It's so good. Yeah, it's uh, in the sauce. I saw that they add either mango or papaya in the sauce. And it's really nice mixture. You have some meat, you have some vegetables and some uh, something salty and sweet and sour mm. taste combined all together in one sandwich. Uh, it's tasty. If 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 you can if you can get it nearby your house, do it. Uh, I can only imagine how good it would be actually in Vietnam. Uh, it's common street food, and many people eat it for lunch. Actually, talking about food, oh, I forgot to mention the spring rolls. Spring rolls is uh, something really you must try because it's really delicious. It could be fresh spring rolls, or it could be fried, which Vietnamese call nem. But talking about uh, food, uh, in Vietnam, it's very popular to take a street food tour. It could be a walking tour where you walk with the guide and try different street food, all different types from soups to desserts. It could be arranged on a motorbike where you would sit at the back of a motorbike. They would take you around from different places of the city and it's dry food there. It's actually quite adventurous and challenging. Uh, what we feedback we get from the clients is that 
it's very local style and that they found it adventure, especially all the people they one day I had clients who didn't read it carefully because it was written on a motorbike and they didn't expect it and they said, Oh my god, we were so scared, but but what an adventure. <laughs> and they like to ride on a motorbike even more than to try something. Yeah, it, it is fun. And, and the street food, it's funny because here in North America, street food, you kind of they go, I'm not sure. But in Asia, the street food, it's it's often the safest you can eat because it's cooked right in front of you in, you know, boiling water or, you know, hot oil. So you know that your chance of getting sick are almost zero because it's it's so fresh. And the, the taste as well, is, it's incredible. Uh, it's definitely a highlight uh, for me when I've, whenever I've been in Asia. Absolutely true. And they cook the same dish for years, so they become an expert in this particular dish they serve every day. Also about food, when you visit villages on the tours which uh, we have on uh, Ten Adventures website, uh, there is Pavi Ekato and there uh, one of the local hosts would teach you to cook Vietnamese food. It could vary. Uh, depending on your preferences in food and if you're vegetarian or you prefer to eat meat. And it's really nice experience where you take all the fresh from the market, from the garden, and try to do something by yourself. This is what people love. I always like to try and find a cooking class wherever I go because it is, you know, just to, you know, get a feel for how people cook and you realize that like there's all these different techniques we don't learn kind of just cooking like North American food. And when you bring that home and you do it for friends or family, I learned to to make sushi. And so making sushi is actually really easy. But when you do it for people, you, you kind of blow them away. Uh, the hard part sometimes is just, just getting the right ingredients. I know trying to, you know, do Thai food in Canada, just getting the right ingredients is really tough. But um, if you can get the ingredients and you have the skills, it's just such a nice way to remember your 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 holiday with you know some knowledge that you can apply. Yeah, and you at least you could learn some sauces, and you could combine it with your meals. But uh, what you could learn from Vietnamese cooking is mixing different tastes, like put sweet and sour together. They normally combine like four sweet, sour, salted, and uh, you would be more free to do this and uh, try to experiment more. Uh, all these different uh, foods are making me making me hungry for some Vietnamese food. Uh, I have I have a question. So for people that are thinking about their first trip to Vietnam, you know, a lot of people try and fit a lot of you know a lot of uh, travel into seven days or 12 days or 14 days for people's first trip to Vietnam should they try and kind of explore the entire country in you know their 10 or 12 days or should they focus on one region to really know that for their first trip it depends on what they prefer to explore for example if they want to see the mountains uh, it would be better to spend about 10 days uh, exploring northern Vietnam. If they prefer beach, uh, we could take them to the beach and they could spend a week just relaxing or snorkeling. Uh, but generally, for the first time, 
Uh, I think that 12 days would be perfect and you could explore the country from the north to the south or opposite and visit uh, the most remarkable places which are highlights. For example, you visit Vietnam or Hanoi, uh, go there to Halong Bay. Uh, to go to the mountain regions, it's normally for 13, 14 days, but you could still fit it in 12 days, but it would be on a bit tough pace. Or you could go to Mai Chao as well. It's also a beautiful place with villages and rice terraces, but it is closer, so it would be more relaxing and you would be less tired. Even if you do some trekking, kayaking or cycling there. And then go to the central Vietnam, uh, visit either Huye or Hoi An, get some culture experience, uh, do some boats. In Hoi An, our travelers love the most is the boat experience because they have the round boat, which looks like a huge basin. And they take a ride on this boat along the river. Actually, historically, it was quite interesting. During French colonial time, French put the tax on the boats and they start designing this type of boats and not to pay tax because is it really a boat? <laughs> it looks more like a basin or a basket. <laughs> so this way they get out from paying taxes. But also, if you go to the sea, because of the shape of the boat, it is actually hard to knock it over. And for fishermen, it's a really good uh, way to go farther in the sea to catch more fish. And uh, when people try to this boat, actually, sometimes the guys, what they do, they spin them around <laughs> and try to make it on different sides. It's a bit scary, but lots of fun. Every time when we hear the feedback about uh, this experience, people are just laughing. Like, I don't remember when I laughed so much. <laughs> so this is must try as well. And uh, then you go to the south, uh, to Ho Chi Minh, and uh, I would recommend to visit Mekong Delta to explore the villages. Again, take a boat trip uh, through the canals of Mekong Delta and uh, see the gardens. It would be really nice because this region is mostly focusing on agriculture and uh, you could try the tropical fruits right from the tree. It would be really delicious and nice. I know that in Canada you don't have like mangoes or papayas. We have them. They're they're just at the supermarket. But I know how nice it is where you get, you know, I, I spent my summers on a farm. And so getting fruit and vegetables fresh off the tree or fresh out of the ground, it's just totally different compared to like buying it in a supermarket where I bet our mangoes here in Canada were picked, I don't know, three or four weeks before we eat them. And I know when I whenever I go abroad, when you eat like fresh mangoes in Southeast Asia, it, it literally is like eating candy. Like it is just so sweet and the flavor is so powerful. It is just such a nice experience. Yeah. And because it's local, the prices would be so low. I know many Canadians, when they come to Vietnam, they have mango smoothie every day. <laughs> <laughs> or avocado smoothie and say oh my god this is like a luxury <laughs> uh it is if you like fruit going to southeast asia it's always just you know i remember you know you'd buy a pineapple for 12 cents you'd get a, a 
big bang of uh, bag of bananas or a big bunch of bananas for 25 cents. You're just thinking like, I'm saving money by being on holiday because my food costs are so, so, so much down compared to buying them in a Canadian grocery store. Yeah, but uh, from another hand, something like berries, like raspberries, cranberries, which you easily could get in Canada in Vietnam is a luxury. (laughs) (laughs) You could buy a box of a small small box of blueberries, which is 100 or 200 gram and pay uh, about uh, up to $10, but normally about around $6. Oh, wow. And it would be like for one time. <laughs> uh, it's, de- it's definitely cheaper here. Uh, you talked a little bit about the best time to go to Sapa, but if someone's planning a trip and they want to see, you know, all parts of Vietnam, are there certain times of year they should try and avoid? Or is it kind of a year-round destination? You just have to bring more clothes in certain times of the year. I think Vietnam is uh, good to travel any time of the year. It has different climate zones. Uh, depends what you do and where you go. In winter, yes, you would not see much in mountain regions because there would be no rice and it would be cold. But you still could uh, do trekking, see the mountains, explore the local cultures, but you have to take warm clothes. As I said, it might snow there. But now, February, March, especially March until April, is the best time to see every part. The weather would be perfect in all parts of Vietnam. In summer, it's rainy season. It would be less comfortable to travel because it could be a really heavy shower, but it doesn't rain like for the entire day and it gets dry fast. Summertime is the perfect to visit central Vietnam because they have the perfect weather. So you could enjoy the beach in Da Nang or Hoi An. You could explore the culture sites of Hai An and Hie. You could go to that park with caves and do trekking there and enjoy the good weather. In autumn time, it's good ev- everywhere except central part because they have storms and sometimes they get flooded. Also last year, Hoi uh, got flooded for a few days and uh, our travelers who been there at that time uh, they were sending photos of them being on a boat. So instead of walking on the street, they just were taking a boat and moving around the town on it. And in Halon Bay in September, October, sometimes um, the tours could be canceled or postponed if there would be a big storm coming. But normally what we do, we either, if time permits, to change the activities and you do something on that day and go to Holland by the next day when you could go to the sea or we replace it with Ninh Binh, which has the same beautiful views, but not in the sea, um, around the rice fields, the same limestone hills. And uh, in winter, southern part would be perfect for visiting. It would be really nice weather and Many beaches are on that part. You could go to Muenia or Fukuok and enjoy the beach break, doing snorkeling. Ah, we're talking about adventures, right? Muenia is a good place for kite surfing. Oh, wow. So it has really good waves for that. So those who are into this, uh, check it out. 
so it really sounds, you know, the key to going to Vietnam year round is knowing where the good places to go are. So, you know, having some expert advice to help you plan so you don't end up in snow in the north or in rains with roads washed out at other times of the year. Uh, it makes it, you know, makes it better that you can have, you know, the best of, of Vietnam. Now, my question for you is, you know, where's your where's, where's your favorite place to go in Vietnam? You know, I mean, lived there for a long time. I think it's Hoi An, but it's more personal because I met my husband in Vietnam. Uh, we're both, of, both of us were living and working in Hanoi, and our first trip together was in Hoi An. It was really nice, really romantic, and I love being there. That, that town is just so charming. Uh, the traffic is not busy as in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh. Uh, it's perfect to explore it by bicycle. Each hotel has a free bicycle to rent. You just take it and cycle around the town. Uh, in the evening, it's full of lanterns. Uh, they do it in nearly every shop is lighting the lantern. And they have a lantern market where you could see all in colorful lights. It's really nice to try food there. I everyone says Huye is the best place for uh, tasting food, but I think that for Westerners' taste, Huyan would be nicer. It would be better for our taste buds, and Huye is more authentic. And it has the beach. So if you are tired with cycling and exploring the town, you could go to Lux at the beach. And they have really nice countryside uh, where you could uh, visit organic farms, where you could join the farmers with their daily activities and do the gardening by yourself. So this is my favorite place. Uh, you've made it sound so great. I love I love going to places that have like these natural lights and I can just kind of visualize that how beautiful it must be. Um, Irina, thanks for coming on the podcast today and sharing all this information. I know for so many people, Vietnam is one of those things near the top of their bucket list. And uh, hopefully this podcast gives people uh, a little bit more information so that they can, you know, start to get to the next step of actually planning their next trip to Vietnam. Yeah, I hope. I'm pretty sure that you would love going there. Uh, I'm sure everyone everyone will. Uh, I'm going to put a few links to uh, the places Irina was talking about in the show notes uh, so you can check check these trips out for yourself. Uh, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 Adventures.